Judge Harvey Wilkinson, one of the nation's most eminent federal judges, has a new memoir called All Falling Faiths, Reflections on the Promise and Failure of the 1960s. Judge Wilkinson has served on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals in Virginia since 1984 when he was appointed by President Ronald Reagan. Over the years, he's been mentioned many times as a possible nominee to the Supreme Court, and he is also a prolific writer of articles and books. His new book looks at the impact of the 1960s on American society. Judge Wilkinson, welcome back to Bloomberg Law. It's a pleasure to be with you. Tell us, Judge, why did you write this book? Well, I I thought I wasn't sure I was going to write it. I thought I had left the 1960s behind. I, I thought it was in the rearview mirror for a while, Uh, and then I found it had only gone into remission. And the experiences that um, the things that I've witnessed and the divisions that I've watched over the past two years um, made me realize that so much about the 1960s is storming back. And so I thought I would, uh, would, would, would write a memoir which would implore younger generations not to repeat the experience that we have had and also would urge my own generation where we did so much in our younger years to drive America apart, to spend our later years trying to heal and maybe, if it is all possible, to bring this wonderful country back together. And I wanted to do it in a memoir because there's been so much shouting about the 1960s and so much screaming and so many people heading for the barricades. And I thought maybe this is a little, we need to have a little bit different approach, a hand-in-hand approach, which just indicates uh, what it was like to live through those years, um, the good and the bad, and basically why we don't want to repeat them. Judge Wilkinson, you write about the wreckage of the 1960s having an imprint on what's happening today. Explain what you mean by the wreckage and the lasting effect it's had. Well, in so many ways, um, just to begin, a big part of the wreckage was the harm done to the spirit of tolerance in higher education. And the 60s pioneered such uh, techniques which I wish it, which I witnessed firsthand, sitting in in administration buildings and grabbing uh, microphones from speakers and shouting down speakers and roughing up speakers, um, and it, it it was like people had had stopped listening, and um, there was a a, a a negativity too imparted in the 1960s about everything about America. There was a, a negative attitude taken to the, to the private sector in, in some of the history courses I took, and there was a negative attitude taken toward American history, which was just uh, portrayed sometimes as one long saga of oppression. And this is not a perfect country by any means. The private sector isn't perfect. We've had uh, shameful chapters of uh, segregation and slavery, but there's so much good about this country, and it was overlooked at lo- in, in a significant part during the 1960s. And the, the the good side of the American story wasn't told, and uh, there's only 
there's, there's so much negativity toward a country that that it that it can endure, and that's only part of the damage. Uh, well, Judge, dur- during the to... uh, in one of your chapters, you about law, you call the '60s a period of quote lawlessness writ large. What did what did you mean by that? Because people were taking the law into their own hands. It 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 saddened me. Um, the assassinations, of course, were the most horrible example of it. Of um, I still remember what I was doing each night on the Kennedy, John Kennedy's assassination, Robert Kennedy's assassination, Martin Luther King's assassination by people who thought that their vision of the right was more important than the law. And then there were a, a series of of riots in Watts and Rochester and, and, and Harlem and Newark and Detroit, which, in which great damage was inflicted on sh- the livelihood of shopkeepers and on motorists. And then there were police departments who were charged with enforcing the law. And in Birmingham with Bull Connor and his, 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 his police dogs and in Chicago at the 1968 Democratic Convention and at Stonewall in New York. Judge Wilkinson, you were appointed by Republican Ronald Reagan. You are known generally as a conservative judge uh, for whatever that means. And you but in the book, you talk about uh, some of the assassinations we were talking about earlier in the show during the 1960s, including that of Robert Kennedy. And in writing about Kennedy, it seemed to me you were fairly admiring. Yet he's an icon of the left these days. You know, liberals tend to idolize him. What, what does Robert Kennedy mean to you? Well, um, you know, he, he he represented hope to me, uh, first of all. Um, he simply, along with 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 John Kennedy and, and King, uh, they represented hope in this country. And I think they rejected the nihilism of the, of the 1960s um, because they were great believers in America. And that's what made their death so immensely sad. And when Robert Kennedy, he went to Appalachia, he went to, he went to the Delta, um, he went to the ghettos. He went to the Indian reservations, um, and it, his message was, "Look, don't give up on this country." And that's why um, I ad- admired him so, because he he could see the need for reforms, but he also saw the good side of America, and that's what I'm trying to convey in 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 this part of what i'm trying to convey in this uh memoir myself is that we're not a we're not a sainted nation but we're neither are we a sinning nation um we are and robert kennedy's life i think helped to represent this we are a nation that's tried and whatever else you can say about the united states and you may you may seek to criticize it, and that's fine. You may seek to praise it, and that's fine, too. But what Robert Kennedy saw is America will never give up on itself. Um, he was a man who tried, and this country is a nation that has tried. We've tried to get it right. You can't reach utopia in a day. But doggone, this wonderful country of ours has tried. Judge, we're divided now into red America and blue America more and more. Are there lessons from the 60s that could change that in the future? Well, I think so, because the, the, 
Um, what the 60s told is that we uh, we had these class divisions that were sown in, and we had many other kinds of differences that were sown in. But we have to go um, at at uh, at this together. And one of the things uh, that uh, I'm trying to do is at the end of this memoir, um, I will hope that we will overcome, that we can try to overcome the great divisions of the 1960s because the 60s teaches us really that there's only so much of this recurring rancor and bitterness that even the most beautiful and wonderful country as ours is um, can sustain. And I'm hopeful in, in my memoir that at the end of it, whether you love the 60s or you dislike the 60s intensely, um, that you we will be able to appreciate as Americans the other side of the 60s uh, argument, because the 60s showed us just how damaging division can be to society, and anyone that lives through it knows the scars and the wounds that a decade like that inflicted. And it, it, it teaches really the need to understand each other, to listen to each other, to try to heal, uh, because we can't go on the way we're doing. Well, you know, Judge, a lot of people would say that the way you have to persuade people to see how you feel is through protest. And you write a fair amount in the book about protests in the 1960s. And in fact, you write that the civil rights movement, which was nonviolent, was uplifting, but that you feel that many miscalculated and thought that lawbreaking could be limited to good causes. And um, how, so what, what's your view of what went wrong with protest in the 1960s? Well, it, 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 something changed in the middle of the decade, and um, I, uh, because in 1963 you had that great march on Washington, and, and then you had uh, that wonderful uh, march from Selma to Montgomery um, in in 1965, and it led to the passage of the uh, the Great Civil Rights Act. But then you ask what changed, and for some reason. Um, the very successful tactics of um, nonviolent resistance and nonviolence that Martin Luther King had pioneered, um, the movement kept moving left into situations that well, black power, for example, was a, a different kind of um, operation in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. So that was was one thing that changed. But I think the major thing that changed was um, the Vietnam War. And when it came along, uh, particularly as it heated up in the latter part of the decade, it inculcated um, so much bitterness and so much distrust on the part of citizens to their government uh, that, that it just put everything in, into a more violent temper and a more violent frame of mind. And law was a casualty of that. But Vietnam was a a dreadful miscalculation, and along with some other with some other things, it 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 changed the whole tone and tenor of the decade to where the last five years of it were far more acrimonious than the way it it than the way it started out. Because the early days of the civil rights movement, in particular, were quite moving and lyrical um, 
in in every way, and then along came Vietnam. I want to turn for a second to your writing itself, Judge. How different is it to write a book like this, which is so personal, compared to writing a legal opinion, which you have a flair for? Well, legal opinion, um, I love the discipline of legal writing, and I think that that contributes to the beauty of it. Um, it's always good to work within within forms and frameworks. But at the end of the day, sometimes and, and, and on weekends, uh, I just feel a need to sort of um, run over open land uh, without those constraints. And as much as I love my colleagues on the court, and they're wonderful people, and I, and I do, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's fun to write in a way that you can just um, air it out and say what you believe without the need to convince one or two other very fine judges that you're not completely crazy. <laughs> so these are just two very different forms of writing. I love both of them, but uh, one, of forms, one, one gives you a, a, a greater freedom. Uh, the other has more, more constraints. They're both very necessary. Um, I love both forms of them, but I just I need to vary between the two. I just can't do one exclusively. Well, in 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 doing this writing, which is and it, and it is an easy book to read, uh, I must say the the um, one of the things you talk about is that you know sort of latter day terrorists and and others who seek to inflict harm around the globe are sort of the inheritors of some of the mistakes you see in the 1960s. What why did what made you say that? Well, again, it comes back to this whole view that if you think your view of your utopia and your own view. Um, is 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 right and indisputably right, so that nobody else's view really matters. Um, you get to the point of just taking law into your own hands, and you put yourself above the law. And that, if you then when, when that starts to happen, then then civilization as we've known it um, is impaired. And the thing that makes it so much more dangerous is that the amplification. Uh, that that uh, people who take law into their own hands, they enjoy the amplification sometimes of, of uh, social media, and the, the the weapons of destruction are so much more lethal than they were um, during the 1960s. So small minorities of terrorists and everything who in, in, inherit the idea that that law is if any one person, how any one person wants to define it. That was bad in the 60s. But the dangerous thing is that when the theory of lawbreaking carried forward into our present day, the, the means of destruction and the means of amplification have made it more of a threat and have made it, 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 it more lethal. And this is one of, I think, the very unhappy legacies that the 1960s have left America. Well, our thanks to Judge Harvey Wilkinson, whose book, All Falling Faiths, Reflection on the Promise and the Failure of the 1960s, is a fascinating read. We appreciate your being here on Bloomberg Law.